I was praying. I was like, God, you have to show me how to handle this. Like, I can't handle this without you. And the Holy Spirit was just like, you know, you need to be there for her. Because sometimes it is better to be there in the thick of someone's like fire than to not be. Right. Like if 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 the believer goes running in the opposite direction out of fear, who's going to be there in the thick of the fire to give the gospel truth to somebody? Your job is to be there for people. Welcome to Park Street Dialogues. My name is Mark Booker and I serve as the Senior Minister at Park Street Church in downtown Boston. This podcast is all about connecting followers of Jesus in Boston and beyond so that we might do more together than we can apart. In this episode, I have a conversation with Arva Byron. Arva serves as a social worker with the Department of Children and Families working with adolescents. She's also the youth minister at Roslindale Baptist Church, and she also has a radio program called Live with Arva J. And she'll talk about all three of these dimensions of her life and vocation in our conversation. She has a boldness for the gospel. She'll challenge us uh, and also gives a great piece of parenting advice along the way. After our conversation, I'll be back with a preview into the next episode. And then in the final segment, I want to share a brief thought about being present and crossing barriers. Here is my conversation with Arva Byron. You grew up in Hyde Park? Yep. Born and raised. Born and raised. Yeah. Big family? Small family? Small family. My, my mother and I. Oh, wow. Nice and tight. tight yeah. Tight unit, you yeah. know? Yeah. And uh, what about, what were formative years for you in terms of your own spiritual life and growth? You're obviously serving the Lord today, and we'll talk about that, but where did that come from? Um, I remember, um, I always remember like just certain moments, right? And mm-hmm. so I think one time, I think I might have been about 15 or 16 years old. And so I grew up knowing the Lord, raising the church, all those good things. Um, but I distinctly remember being at like a women's a women's meeting, or no, a women's a, one, a woman's Sunday service at my church. You know, hmm. they celebrate the women. All the women lead the service. And I was sitting in the balcony um, of the church. And I remember distinctly the Holy Spirit was like, you need to pick. <laughs> I was like, excuse me? <laughs> like, who's talking to me? Uh-huh. It was one of those defining moments of like, you need to pick. Like, you can have one foot in the church and also one foot out the church but you need to decide about like what you're going to do because Mm. what we're not going to do is like Mm. (laughs) straddle the fence here um and i think i was like oh (laughs) okay and so i feel like that was a really defining moment where i kind of made up my mind Mm kind of just kind of focusing on jesus for myself was it perfect no but my mind was certainly made up from Mm. that time on Mm -hmm. um and not that i was really living a crazy life before Mm then right um and I don't think that anybody would think that I was. I think that my mind was just all over the place and I didn't have a made up mind. Yeah. Um, I think I was just kind of in mental chaos kind yeah. of. I don't think people, I think people look at your actions, right? And they decide if you're a good Christian based off of what you do. Hmm. Not really about where your mind is at. 
because your mm. mind and your heart are the thing that matter the most. Mm. Um, mm-hmm. Your physical, where you physically go, where you physically walk, if you're in, you know, whatever type of setting, all that's important too. Um, but I think that it was my mind that had to be made up. Yeah. Um, and then that would later on determine kind of like where I went in life. I was right there in the balcony on the right-hand side of the church. Which church? 12th Baptist Church. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is in? In Roxbury. In Roxbury. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. My home my home church where I grew up. At. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'll never forget. It was just a powerful So this is a place you had been time after time after oh, time. Oh, day. I mean, I've been, I probably sat in every row of that balcony <laughs> of the whole church. I've been upstairs, downstairs. And that day he spoke to me so, you know, mm. so super loud. I was like, whoa, you're yelling. Um, but it was a very, very powerful moment. And I, I, I won't forget that Sunday. Mm. You obviously look back to that as a significant moment. How did that begin to shape? You said you were 15 or 16? Yeah, something like that. So how did that shape your last couple of years in high school? And then you went on to Gordon College after that, Mm -hmm. right? How did the Arva who came out of Gordon look differently or think differently than the Arva who went in? Um, So Gordon College was very, very tricky in Mm. terms of um, race relations Mm -hmm. uh, at the time when I was there. Yeah. Um, and so it was a little overwhelming. So it's like you, you're 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 going you're there for all these things. Right. You're there for an education. You're living on campus. Um, you're learning and growing in your faith. And then there's like racial issues as, as well and trying to yeah. navigate that while trying to be a student. So there's like layers upon layers wow. upon layers of of different tensions. Right. That are arising mm-hmm. all at the same time. Um, mm-hmm. So it was like kind of being in the circus, like juggling kind of comes to mind. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's not all that happened at Gordon. Um, I think that I realized the power of friendships. I don't think I really knew about having like what mm. it means to have solid friends yeah, um, and people to back you and the people to um, challenge and correct you. And I think those are my first encounters with um, God really showing me what solid friendships look like, healthy ones. Mm-hmm. Um, to have an argument doesn't mean that you, you abandon the friendship ship. You know what I mean? <laughs> like you stay in the boat and you deal. Um, and so I think those are some of the amazing things. I think I also... Um, found great mentors you know what I mean like Mm. people who were just committed to my personal growth I had a professor um his name was um Lawrence Holcomb um he regret regrettably he passed away um a while back but Mm. he was just so and he was African-American um and so because he was African-American I could count on like one hand the number of black teachers that I've had in my whole entire life right so his presence i mean he's he was tall big muscular like his presence was already like uh, um like so positive and like overwhelmingly good for me Hmm. so to see you know coming from a single parent home seeing this black well-educated doctor you know Mm. what i mean stand before me to teach sociology i was blown away i i hung on every word (laughs) this man had to say but behind closed doors he took that time to kind of like pour back into me Mm. more knowledge you know what i mean like he never had a problem staying after to explain something further or to challenge me further with a text um or to just encouraged me in my private life on on campus um mm-hmm. and that was super impactful for me mm-hmm. um i think he even wrote a That's letter great. for me to kind of like you know go further on for you know higher education so i think those little moments where someone can kind of see you for you beyond the classroom and see you as the person like mm-hmm. see arva just for being arva mm-hmm. nothing attached to it just helped me to really flourish and as I, I i it's what i try to do for other people to yeah. be seen is just i don't know it's just a powerful gift so mm. I love yeah. that story about Hagar in Genesis 16. Yeah. 
God is named there the God, God who sees. sees. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Powerful. Yeah. So what did you study at Gordon? Um, social work and sociology. Okay. And uh, and then how did God direct you? What, what were you thinking your senior year? I've got to do something next. Senior so, year? It wasn't I had to do something next. My mother said, you better do something <laughs> next. And I was like, yes, mother, you're right. I knew that I had a heart to want to work for the Department of Children and Families. I didn't know I didn't really have an in at the time. I didn't really know how to like, you know, make that move. Mm-hmm. So I took a year after um, graduation. I kind of worked locally uh, mm-hmm. for the Home for Little Wanderers Agency. Okay. And then while that year was, you know, happening and I'm, you know, get, gaining money and, you know, figuring out employment, I then um, applied to the Department of Children and Families and then got right in the door after that and been there ever since. Wow. Yeah, it's been good. I enjoy the work. Yeah. What what did you want to do when you applied for the for the Department of Children and Families? Oh, I want to be actually it's well, what I was doing. I want to be a um in their adolescent unit. Okay. So specifically working with teens and helping helping teens. Mm. So I ended up getting that exact position. So and you've been doing that for five years now? Six. Six years. Can you tell us a little bit about that work on a day to day basis for you? Um, yeah, sure. So um basically every day is different you wake you wake up to not knowing how your day is gonna flow just because that's the nature of the job um and so in the adolescent unit you know these kids can tell you if something is wrong in their home it's not like it's a baby where you have to look at the baby right you have marks bruises how am i going to know what's going on with this child um these kids can say that there is something happening to them um sometimes it's also what a lot of people don't understand is that dcf is also connected where a parent can file on a child to say that they're acting out out in the home and mm-hmm. the parent now needs support from DCF mm-hmm. to get the child kind of on a better path. Um, and so DCF has that stigma like, oh, you take kids. <laughs> no, sometimes parents bring us their kids because you just need help, right? Yeah. Parent, it takes a village. Um, and sometimes DCF has to be a part of that village. So I would, you know, come into my office, you know, there's paperwork to be done. Um, and... You know, if I had to sometimes, you know, you're kind of become like a parent to the child, hmm. whoever you are, are working with. So, we would, you know, go to their home, meet with their parent, try to do some rebuilding and bridge work to kind of get the parent and the child to communicate better. Other times, if the parent has asked that the child be or if the courts, I'm sorry, have asked that the child be removed from the home. Yeah. We then become mommy and daddy, meaning wow. like we're picking the child up taking the child to school, dropping the child off at a foster home. Um, Some children might have a mental health crisis where they have to be evaluated at a hospital. Let's say they might have a breakdown at school, right? Mm -hmm. Mental health happens. They have a breakdown at school. The school calls the hospital. The hospital calls us or the school calls us. And then we have to go stop what we're doing, go to the hospital and be with the child because we're now playing the role of parent. Mm-hmm. legally right mm-hmm. and so that's a day i mean it could happen at any point in time so there's a lot of things that are like going on we put in services for the children try to help them the best that we can um but all i know it's really interpersonal you know what i mean because yeah. i mean the kids are you know dcf doesn't give you a car right so you use your personal car to take these children from point a to point b mm-hmm. so they're really with you um mm-hmm. in the thick of it and you're really with them in the thick of it why did um, you why did you get into this what what led you to want to do this um because secretly i've always wanted to be a teacher 
but I have <laughs> horrible handwriting. <laughs> so I was like, I need to find like a middle ground. Oh, that's and that's honestly, I think people want like a deep story, but that's really the honest truth. <laughs> um, and I, I think I like to kind of be on the go a little bit mm-hmm. and not be so tied down. I think social work provides that kind of path for me. Mm-hmm. Did you have a heart for youth? Oh yeah, totally. Because you, you wanted to go to adolescence. Mm-hmm. I feel like, that's the age in my life as a, at a as an adolescent where I could have used the more the most support. Mm. You know what I mean? It's not even that deep. Like where I just could have used like a listening ear. Yeah. <laughs> and because I didn't have that, I always told myself like, you know, be who you didn't have when you were younger. Right. You know. You know that expression. Right. So right. I was like, yeah, this is how I want to kind of mm. give back um, mm-hmm. and be of support. If I could ever be of support, it would be like that. Can you think of one or two examples in the last six years that you could share with us about your work with uh, DCF that have been particularly impactful where you've seen the work that you're doing as a social worker really make a difference? Sure. Um, I'll give three short ones. So um, the first one is I had a long time, I had a long time client uh, and everybody in our office would refer to this child as my child they'd be like mm. oh your baby's here oh your child is here <laughs> i had this child since she was 12 all the way till she was 18 years old wow. and so I, I feel like a proud parent but um <laughs> it was hard because she had um very very serious mental health right so mm. at the drop of a hat she can go from like very very happy to extremely sad right and so um it was difficult to you know be in, sit- in certain situations with her and to see a young person in pain and not be able to actually help them. Because while your people will joke, oh, that's your kid, that's your kid, you do form attachments with these children, right? Where, mm. where people, we have hearts, we have feelings, you know what I mean? Sure. Just because it's five o'clock doesn't mean that the day really ends, right? Yeah. Um, there are real connections that we make. So because I had her since she was 12, I know there were a couple of times throughout um, that case where people wanted to get the like they wanted the case to move on to another worker and I refused to do that because I said you can't have a child in such a hard situation and not really have parental supports and just remove the social worker because the social worker has become like the parent now there are healthy boundaries I had all those things in place um but you have to know you know be wise enough and even humble enough to know when you do mean something to a person and not just kind of take the rug from out of them in the name of, oh, well, this is just my nine to five. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, there's an act of justice. I think there's a t- that is attached mm-hmm. to that a little bit mm-hmm. um, in knowing where you fit in and trying to do that job and do it to the best of your ability. Um, so seeing that child through like so many situations, I mean, I've seen that child, you know what I mean? Just struggle. Um mm struggle to you know just do the right thing struggle to finish school um struggling with becoming pregnant like just struggle all you know all the way through Mm -hmm. struggle to try to find medication right mental Mm -hmm. health medication Mm -hmm. um and you know just that desire but to be able to be a support to her i think was one of the most like life-changing things and also showing myself um what it means to be committed to people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think people kind of tie that to the church, but I think it's just really inter- like person to person, right? Like be mm-hmm. dedicated to the yeah. people who um, God has placed in in your life. Um, I think one of the hardest things that I had to do that was really a challenge of my faith was uh, one time one of the kids that I had got pregnant, very, very young, mm-hmm. and the question of abortion came up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
mark i was i was through you know what i mean i was just like what do i do you know what i mean like i personally do not agree with that right Right. and so i understand a woman's right to choose everyone has their whole you know spiel about that and i get it but what i'm not okay with is you know abortion right you're killing a life and so because of that i was like god i mean i had sleepless nights i was i was so emotional i went into my my boss's office i said i'm not doing this like i'm not you know gonna be a part of this sort of like thing and i was just like it took me to the edge Mm. right and then again the the kid was just so young and i'm just like Mm. i don't know what to do i don't know how to handle this and i prayed and i tossed and i turned and i prayed some more and i tossed and i turned sleepless nights the whole nine and this kid and i weren't particularly close and i told her i said you know you don't have to you know you don't have to do this um she's like yeah i know but i want to and i was like okay um and so fast forward a little bit I was praying. I was like, yo, I was like, God, you have to show me how to handle this. Like, I can't handle this without you. And the Holy Spirit was just like, you know, you need to be there for her. And I was like, what? He was like, no, no, no. (laughs) Hear me. I was like, okay. He was like, no, you need to be there for her. Because Hmm. what God was showing me was that sometimes it is better to be there in the thick of someone's like fire than to not be. Mm-hmm. Right. Like if 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 the believer goes running in the opposite direction out of fear and out of, well, the Bible says who's going to be there in the thick of the fire to give the gospel truth to somebody. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So what 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 good would I have done that kid What the disservice that I would have given her and what I would have showed her about the gospel message is that it doesn't apply to you because you've done this thing. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Then I wouldn't have even been in proximity to give her the gospel, right? right? Or to even like show her that love and compassion that she needed. But it was just so powerful, the Holy Spirit, the way he checks me. And just to be like, hey, 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 you know what I mean? Like your job is to be there for people. It's not my job to decide what you do. It's my job to be there in the mm-hmm. thick of it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. To be that person. Because at the end of the day, there's always going to be somebody who's going to be there. You want it to be the right person. You know what yeah. I mean? Like the Holy Spirit filled person, the godly person, the person who can kind of like hear you out and direct you. You know what I'm saying? Or just be there for you. Right. Like mm. and to be honest, I don't know where that girl is even now. Yeah. But the point is, is that, you know, I had to do what I had to do to be there. Mm-hmm. And I know that God's spirit can 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 transcend even words. Mm-hmm. so prayerfully she felt the power of of the lord at some point in time maybe she'll remember like hey arva was kind to me in a very very difficult ugly situation you know what i mean yeah so those are just some of the like wow. the, the stories that i can appreciate that the mind. challenge and then what a challenge for you and, and one hard. where you did need god to speak all the way <laughs> and all the way you and he spoke in a profound way that's a profound lesson yeah yeah Um, Thank you for sharing that. You you talked about praying and about wrestling with God in the midst of this. So how does your faith inform what you do as a social worker day by day? You know, how, how do you think your presence at DCF is, is, manifesting jesus in that place and how do you bring jesus into that space and that work with you as you've done this for six years quietly quietly i'd say Mm -hmm. yeah because people always expect you to come in shouting right people always expect you they also know that i'm a i'm a youth pastor right so oh pastor this pastor that right but they expect 
something from you. They expect you to be loud and angry and like yelling with a Bible in your hand, right? <laughs> yelling down the Ten yeah. Commandments, right? Because that's what they're used to seeing. A lot of people don't encounter church the same way. So they're used to seeing what they see on TV. Then yeah. they apply it to you. So I've I've had numerous times people say, oh, you must not, um, oh, this is the big one. Uh, they'll say, excuse me, you must not drink. Like, oh, Arva doesn't drink. She's a pastor. Okay. Like, <laughs> I never said anything, right? Like, mm-hmm. you're just putting this label yeah. or what you've seen from here and putting it on to me, right? Mm-hmm. Then you're asking me to like, then when something happens and you, you're asking me to rise to an occasion that I never really you know, something that you or a label that you kind of pinned on me. So yeah. I think I've just learned to be very, very quiet um, and very just, you know, meek and humble about certain certain things um, because it's an honor for me to be able to have this vocation and also be in ministry. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't take that for granted, but I've just learned to kind of be quiet in these different settings mm-hmm. um, and then always check in with God first and then go on about whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that sense of quiet and calm has helped to kind of keep me in line and also help mm. there to be a calm presence in the room. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like a superpower or anything like that. It's just yeah. really quietly invoking the presence of the Holy Spirit into like these super chaotic, right? Yeah. Situations. You know what I mean? Yes. Young people being, you know, you know, seeing, you know, kids get arrested, seeing all these different things that happen just in the day to day, let alone the baggage Mm. that the average worker or any worker would carry into the office space just because of life. You know what I mean? So Mm. there's like a lot of different dynamics happening. Mm -hmm. And all I know is that you have to have, you know, God's peace with you in order to maintain. Mm. So I feel like that's what I've been able to kind of fuse together for me. Mm -hmm. That's such a great model not just for you as a christian who's working in social work but really for all of us as christians in this city in the different spaces and places to which god has called us the call to be quietly present yeah meek humble that's that's beautiful to think about that it's hard work sometimes i'm not gonna lie <laughs> it sounds super poetic right but like there's a there's a tension there you know what i mean yeah. sometimes yeah. you want to like jump right into something or overly offer your opinion right right um but that's not always what's called for Mm. you have to like sit back and really read the room is what i've learned right then offer um because there's just so much going on um Mm -hmm. between people and dynamics and you know the work that i already do how does being a, a follower of jesus in this space you you get a view into a lot of pain and heartache in our city. How do how do you think we as the church should be involved or respond or be a part of the kinds of things that you're seeing on a daily basis in your work with with DCF? Um, I'd say two things. I think I would say relationships and don't be afraid to do the work. So by that I mean, you know, one for relationships is you have to know somebody. <laughs> mm. Like you have to know. Like you can you can talk about oh, it's so sad what's happening to the youth in the city. You can talk about yeah. uh, Black Lives Matter. You can talk about um, 
Asian people being violently killed. You can talk about anything, but if you don't know anybody in those people groups, <laughs> what, <laughs> you might as well just send kisses to the air. Like it doesn't do anything, mm-hmm. right? Like you, 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 you've done nothing but feel bad, right? And those mm-hmm. emotions sometimes make us think that we're working on the right side of justice, right? But we're really not. Those just right. those are just feelings, right? And feelings are fleeting; they come and they go. And so, um, but the next thing I would say is, you know, do the work. Like, if you don't know somebody who's in it, you know, is has that connection to something that is kind of starting to press on your heart, you'd have to know somebody in order to to make a connection to get to know what's really going on. Because mm-hmm. CNN and you know your Facebook and your Twitter feed are only one side of something. To know somebody and to have a relationship with somebody is the thing that matters the most. But again, we're not going to go out like seeking, like let me look for someone in this demographic. Mm -hmm. Um, But at the very same time, to be intentional, to know that you don't know Mm. something and then to pursue it Mm -hmm. by like doing the work in terms of picking up a book, right? Inform yourself on what you don't know is the Mm -hmm. most helpful thing that you can do while also picking up relationships. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think being afraid to say, you know what? A wise man knows that he doesn't know anything. (laughs) And then doing the work of being like, you know what, let me start to focus on what I don't know so I can be better informed as I then seek out um, relationships that are going to help me become better, you know, help me grow as a person. So do you look at the, the situations that you're encountering with adolescents and go, the church is here. The church is working. Obviously you probably get to know the personal details of the clients that you have and, or do you look at this from your vantage point and go, where is the church? Which one of those two? Or is it both? Or does it just depend? I definitely say, where is the church? <laughs> hmm. um, honestly, it's so sad because sometimes I don't even say that because someone else already beat us to the answers. Right. So there's people that are present that okay. are filling in the gap and doing work and yeah. also doing spiritual work. Something gets really weird because they're answering questions. Hmm. They're, they're talking about uh, spirituality, not Jesus spirituality. Right. Mm. Which is like mysticism, foggy yep. stuff. Right. Yep. Um, but, but it's giving an answer to questions. So we have people who are on the front lines who are working and will come to the aid of young people will drop, drop mm. everything that they're doing to be there to be supportive opening up their um opening up their homes i know sometimes um at dcf we have we look for foster homes where's the church you know what i mean like why mm. aren't churches advertising that foster homes are needed mm-hmm. um i i remember one time somebody asked me um is it okay uh, like what would you do if your uh if the foster parents were two men like two gay men like would you still allow the child to go there and i was like well a home is a home like i don't Mm. know what you want me to say about that like (laughs) does this child not need a bed at the end of the night like what did you want for me to say but also i don't see any alternatives you know what i mean so even if i was looking for something Mm -hmm. else or this child needed a different demographic right Mm -hmm. of 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 parent or whatever you want to call it where, where else would i go most certainly not the church because these doors are shut you know what i mean in terms of like When's the last time some, you know, that somebody came to you like, you know, we're looking for, you know, some some safe homes or some parents who are going to be loving. I, I couldn't tell you the last time I saw the church open up their doors and say, you know what, we really want to start to be a haven for kids. Hmm. Um, and it's not even just that I get, you know, the home is, you know, a lot for some people opening up to, you know, for an after school program or being like a place where a kid can help 
get the resources to get a job. I mean, there's a thousand ways to hmm. get in where you fit in. Mm-hmm. Um, and the church really, I think a lot of times the church tries to be its own institution instead of ga- engaging the city. Mm. And that has now become dangerous work. Right. And so because we're over here, like on our own little in our own little corner, you know, we're trying to start our own little programs, our own little initiatives and everything like that, which is not a bad thing. But let's not act like there aren't already institutions that are open, right? Hmm. With hurting people. Because the whole point is the people that are hurting, right? It's not the fact that yeah. something is government funded and then you just don't want to participate in something like that. You have to kind of see beyond hmm. to get to the people. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that church initiatives are bad because they're not, because I support church initiatives right. all the time. Right. But it's like, well, what's the, be- you have to look at the bigger picture. What's the best way to get to the people hmm. so the gospel can be spread? And I think sometimes the church gets a little scared. Mm-hmm. to kind of get in there and get dirty to get to the heart of the matter. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think sometimes where is the church? Always, you know, we're just so far from the people, I think, lately. Hmm. You know? Yeah, it's challenging. I know there's a lot of good work being done. in. I even know that around foster care, too, which is exciting to me. And I think you touching on that is really helpful. But I'm sure that there's so much more that could be done. Yes. As well. And the challenge of being siphoned off into our own corner and not really having, I love what you said earlier about relationships, having relationships with people in our city who are in places of need, not that are artificial or forced, but that are genuine, that come from a place of, of genuine care for a fellow human being. Let's transition a little bit because you also serve as the youth pastor at Rosendale Baptist Church. Mm -hmm. And how long have you been in that role, Arva? I think it's been about four to five years as youth pastor. Yep. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in this role, you're working with youth. Yes. From a very different Another different vantage point. Yeah. Yeah. Different vantage point. What have you learned? Oh my gosh. That there's so much that they don't know. But they're all, but they, but you know, a lot of parents would say, you know, my kid is all set because you know I saw them get baptized, right? Like I saw, it, but there's there, there's a hunger there to know more. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, what I learned is that they're gonna go searching for the, what they don't know, hmm. and someone's going to answer them. But it should it should first be the church. Yeah, you know what I mean. I was mm-hmm. like, "Oh, they're talking. Like, oh, mm-hmm. their minds are going." Mm-hmm. Um, and for what they don't know, they're seeking. And so, who's going to have a response? Mm. The world always has a response to everything. Yeah. So if we shy away from these hot button topics, homosexuality, abortion, um, you know, you you know, you name it, right? Black Lives Matter, whatever you want to call it, all these different topics, they're going to get an answer. Mm. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I also learned like you got to dig deep. They don't want cookie cutter answers. They don't just want Mm. Jesus saves. They want to go deeper as to why he saved. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And what everything, they always want to know the connection between them and the word. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like they're like, make it make sense for my life. Mm -hmm. You know, like they they don't want, and I, I, and I even venture to say they don't want their parents' religion. You know what I'm saying? Like they don't want their parent and mommy and daddy's faith. They're trying to cultivate their own. Mm. Um, and everybody has a faith, right? Everybody has a theology of God. Everybody has all those things. But it's like, what what's going to be it for you? And so they're searching and grab, trying to grab at things. Um, so it was just very life-changing to kind of hear where they're really at. Mm. Um, and then also informing on the work I needed to still do 
Yeah. Um, and, and, and where I've been, where I've been at and where I was lacking, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, but all good things. So Can you good. tell us uh, a story in particular about one of the youth that you've worked with that challenged you a lot based on where he or she was and the questions that he or she was asking? Mm, um, there's not really, they're all challenging. No, I'm just joking. They're all really great. <laughs> uh, very, very uh, mature. And they actually love Jesus for real, which is exciting. Um, I remember one time we were in a Sunday school format. Yeah. Uh, and I started to do some like real life questions. And so uh, what it would look like, you know, I'd ask a question, but I would have them write it down on a paper so that nobody would feel uncomfortable by <laughs> the raising yeah, of the hands, right. which we think is so cool and always works. Uh, and I think the question might have been like, you know, do you really want to like be here at church? Like, where do you see yourself? Like, what do you see? Where do you see yourself growing in this, the ministry here out of our church? Like, what do you want to do? What do you think can be improved? I collect all of the the papers and the responses and I'm, I'm reading them. And one of them said from a young man, he said, um, something to the effect of like, I love Jesus or whatever, but I'm just not really about this like church thing right now. Hmm. And it just blew my mind. Right. And I wasn't, I wasn't offended. I was super grateful for his authenticity and the fact that he felt that he could be honest. Mm -hmm. Right. In this setting, that's not small. Right. He knows I'm going to know that it's him. Right. My church is not big by any means. Right. Mm -hmm. And so because of that, I looked at it and then, you know, we had to have a little sidebar after. And I said, I appreciate you for your candidness and your honesty and the fact that you knew that you could be so upfront and open about, you know, something that your peers were never going to say. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, If your father's the pastor, if your mother's the deacon, like when would you ever say, I don't actually really want to be here like that. (laughs) Uh, But he said it and I I honored him for his for his honesty. And so at the very same time, I was like, you know, this also hurts to hear, right? Like, mm-hmm. what can the church, like, what are we doing? Like, where are we, where are we missing you? Mm-hmm. But it also showed me um, to the lesson of, you know, our kids aren't always going to be what we want them to be as parents, right? And as adults, mm-hmm. like, they're not always going to be what we want them to be, but it does not mean that God's hand is not on their lives. So it's like, hurts to have to trust God when your child's like, no thanks. And so I had to walk with that young person. I said, you know what? I'm going to do you one solid. I'm going to find you a church that meets your needs. Hmm. You know what I mean? Like whatever you want, we're going to go find it <laughs> um, because that's what the body of Christ is about. It's not about like keeping and hoarding congregants, mm. you know what I mean? Like to yourself, mm-hmm. it's about the the growing of the kingdom and the growing um, and the strengthening, like you said before, of these ligaments and these tendons and stuff like that. And so, uh, but then the pandemic hit, so it couldn't yeah. work. But however, I, I think, you know, just reminding like, you know, people are not mine, right? These young people are not yeah. mine. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not about the numbers. It's about seeing the Lord move in a young man's life um, and helping him to get connected to a church where he feels comfortable so that he can grow and then mm-hmm. pour back into his local assembly and then the kingdom at large. Mm-hmm. So that That's was one good. of the most like, biggest times for me where i was just like i was so shook Mm -hmm. uh, for his bravery what are the questions that youth are asking what do they want the church to meet them in sexuality Hmm. next question no sir Um, (laughs) yeah definitely sexuality and they want to know if it's right or if it's wrong like uh, of everything right like is this really wrong 
like tell me why they want to know the why of everything Mm -hmm. and i think the church has gone so long with just saying this is right this is right this is right and never a why Mm. Um, and then also if i do this what will it really lead to spiritually like kids want to know because they're at that age which is age appropriate for me how close can i tap dance to hell and not fall in Hmm. I mean, they want the works. You know what I mean? Hmm. They want to have sex outside of marriage and know they can still go to heaven. They want to um, have, if they're a girl, sometimes they want to have a girlfriend and know they can still go to heaven. Like, hmm. these are the things that they're really wrestling with mm-hmm. back at the ranch, like here on yeah. earth. Um, and so it's hard. You know what I mean? I don't have an answer for all those things. <laughs> hmm. um, but that's where the wrestling is um, because all the things that we see painted on tv and projected projected images and and when we you know well pre-pandemic like movies and tv those are their real life questions and again somebody's answering them in the format of tv yeah someone's answering them in yeah. the format of social media um yeah. but it just hasn't been the church <clears throat> mm-hmm. oh. so then they're just struggling with like mm-hmm. well can i can't i can i can't i yeah. you know how how hot you know what I mean? How hot is the stove if I touch it, you know? Mm-hmm. So if I get my hand too close to the fire, will it really burn me? Hmm. So it's just crazy deep grappling. Um, and then we, you, you know, I guess too, you know, while conviction does set in for anybody who's a believer, if the church doesn't speak up about what's really going on and these questions that young people are having, what can we say when they walk away? Hmm. You know, what, what do we really have to be able to say? Mm-hmm. You know, but and it's one thing to preach and teach the word of God from the pulpit, but they don't want that. They they want mm-hmm. like sitting on the couch. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like they want the text messages late at night. They want that type of interaction, so they can really get t- it can be tangible. The gospel mm-hmm. to be tangible on their level, um, in their day to day lives. So. What would you say to parents? Because obviously, working with youth, you're in a sense also coming alongside parents. Mm-hmm. But from your experience in working with youth, what would you say to parents? Let them talk. Let your children talk. Let them talk. Let them talk. <laughs> because when they when they begin to feel that you're a safe place, less will go on in your house that you don't know about. You know what I mean? Mm, like if you yeah. think about all the stuff that you hold, um, that we just as as adults hold on our cell phones, right? Mm-hmm. Like we're looking at images. We're emailing people. We're doing. We're setting up meetings. We're doing. Kids have a cell phone too, right? <laughs> and, yeah. and imagine all the things that are on there. Mm-hmm. And while parents might not want to know everything that's on that that cell phone or the contents, we also think of it as like, not that they're a cell phone, but think of it as like their database, like who they are as a person. They're holding all of these things um, in the contents of their phone, much like they hold on to the things that are inside of them. And therefore, mm-hmm. if we allow our children to talk more and create it to be a safe space and not like a a, a damning space, if you will, of mm-hmm. one of rejection, one of condemnation, one of I told you so's. Um, and not that there's not to be order in, in the home, but your children will begin to talk to you and really open up to you about what's on the in, like on the inside mm-hmm. or a, a.k.a. like what's in their phone. You know what I mean? And what's really going yeah. on. Depression, low self-esteem, fights with their friends. Like if your child is bringing up anything to you, it has to be a big deal, right? Like your teenager <laughs> is being like, you know what? I'm going to tell my parent about blah, 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 blah. That's a big deal. And any parent should feel honored and feel very, like they're a safe person yeah. um, to kind of be around. But yeah, let your kids talk. And what you need to know will come out. Um, and not always so that you can speak to it, but that you, so that you can be prayerful about it. Then mm. you will be able to watch, sit back and just watch God work, right? And then your kid mm. will still come to you while you're praying. And your kid will come <laughs> to you again while you're praying. You know what I mean? And then further conversations. Yeah. Um, and then ask questions too. 
You know, mm-hmm. hey, what do you think about blah, 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 blah? What do you think about what, what we just saw in the news? You know what I mean? Get your kid talking. The more they talk, mm-hmm. the more you can really begin to see um, glimpses of what's, of what's going on. So. Mm. That is great. I didn't know we were going to get such great advice on parenting today. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. You also do some work with, uh, you have a radio show. Yeah. Live with Arva J. <laughs> yep. <laughs> How'd you get into this? Oh, gosh. Uh, one summer, <laughs> I didn't have a job. I was jobless. And um, I was chatting with uh, Bruce Wall, Pastor Bruce Wall over at Global Ministries. And I think he and his wife, we were just we were just chatting And his wife said to me, like, I'll, you know, like, basically give you a stipend if you want to volunteer at the station a little bit while you're (laughs) since you're not doing anything. I was like, sure, I could definitely use the cash. And so that's how it kind of got started. And so I would go there to volunteer and try to be helpful. Um, And then, you know, Pastor Bruce was just one random day. He was just like, hey, come on the radio with me. You know, I don't have a guest on. So just come on. And that's how it started. What's the network? Boston Praise Radio and TV Network. And that's connected to Bruce Wall and the church? Yes. Yep. Okay. The, the the station is actually below their church. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's Global... Global Ministries. Ministries. Yep. hmm What's Live with Arva J all about? Um, being... Here's my tagline. <laughs> uh, being dedicated to having the hard conversations. Hmm. So, yeah. 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 So it's been it's been challenging, but good. Mm-hmm. Um, there's no topic that I don't think that we have not covered or won't cover. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, I think the church struggles to speak out loud. Yeah. Like we'll be thinking something, right. <laughs> but we won't say it out loud. And so right. this is my attempt to help us have conversations out loud um, and not be scared to chat things through. Is this targeting youth or targeting anyone in the church? Um, of any age? It's usually uh, millennials and up. Okay. So not really youth. Yeah. Because um, we go, well, I mean, yeah. you can listen, definitely listen. Um, yeah. But that's yeah, my, we'll t- yeah, because that, that's the, that's the age group demographic that usually has a hard time talking yeah. in church. The millennial might feel something, but not really want to say it and then leave the church. And then the older generations will um, think it, but then not want to talk about it because it's like mm. taboo. So we try to have those conversations right. and bring everybody together. So you like to have hard conversations. Yeah, it's enjoyable. Well, once it's the, all over, it's enjoyable. <laughs> give me the top five. It doesn't have to be five, but what are the hard conversations that the church is afraid to have? Um, I had a, uh, one of my friends is transgender, okay. my former co-worker, transgender, and so that was hard. Mm-hmm. Um, homosexuality is always hard. Mm-hmm. Uh, race relations mm. is, is, is super, super hard. Women in ministry, mm-hmm. s- difficult. Um, I don't know. Um, um, church hurt. Ah, yeah. Super hard. I mean, just icky, icky Hmm. and sticky hard. I think those are some of the top. Yeah. For me, that have Mm -hmm. been hard to kind of grapple with, Mm -hmm. um, out loud. Hmm. Let's talk, if we can, about race relations for a moment. Sure. So, how are you experiencing all that's been going on? And it's obviously been going on for years and decades and long, 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 long time. But things seem to hit a kind of inflection point after George Floyd was killed. Mm-hmm. Can you walk me through how you've been processing that and what you think are the key points that you want to share with the broader church on this question in light of that? 
Um, I think the word tired comes to mind. Yeah. I was very tired after George Floyd died. Um, and by that I mean we've <laughs> I've been black my whole life. <laughs> you, know, you know what I mean? I've been black for 31 years, you know? So being new to yeah. um, racism and, and, and you know, uh, being looked at funny when I enter the store and, you know, people assuming stuff about me, um, it, it's not new. So when the world wakes up right. to say, oh, look, a, you know, the, a, a murder is taking place on TV and we've all bore witness to this tragedy, I'm going, well, yeah, but I've been black this whole time. Like, like yeah. black America has existed this whole time, mm-hmm. but now this death and this public lynching has now made you uncomfortable. But yet, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Emmett Till never bothered you. You know, seeing Malcolm get murdered never bothered you. Seeing Martin get murdered never, like all the, you know what I mean? Killed never like bothered you. Like, so there, we'd already been here. Yeah. For a very, very long time. Michael Brown, like there are these things that have already yeah. happened and nobody really cared. And so it's just a sense of like being exhausted. Um, and then people wanting to explain having you explain your story to them like, mm-hmm. oh, well, t-, you know, I mean, like coworkers, right? Like or, or just, you know, people who mean well, but it can still yeah. be exhausting yeah. when you want to like check in and process feelings. Right. Like right. that's a lot. Uh, right. And so also people not understanding how the black community works. Mm-hmm. When a black person sees, um, for mo- the most part, another black person, you know, die. So there's something about it that, y- because you can relate to it so deeply, you feel like it's your your brother or your husband or mm. you know what I mean, like a cousin that you've had. Because black men die all the time, mm-hmm. so there's this burden that we co- co- carry collectively. I think that's known among us that somebody else might not be able to kind of like understand and i think i remember times actually right after george floyd died somebody reached out mm-hmm. to say like hey how you doing or whatever thinking of you uh and, and while it was a little awkward i i understood where they were kind of where they were coming from but then having to have a moment where i had to explain like this is deep and why this is significant if if someone feels like they're deeply attached to somebody it also hurts to have to then explain why something is significant Right. while being in the grieving process right you know what i'm saying yes. and so you know you have to re-see you know see images um i think a lot of people you know black people growing up in the inner city you know somebody who's been harassed by the cops you know i mean i've had cousins family members who were stopped by the cops very often mm-hmm. and so then when they make it home you say thank god you're home do you know what i mean so there are certain things that kind of hit different yeah. for um me as a as a black woman i think so when we come to george floyd it's like ooh, i'm tired mm-hmm. because we've already been here this whole entire time then we have to listen to white people say stuff like so like how you feel you know what i mean and it's just, it's, yeah. it's just overwhelming on top of seeing black bodies displayed on tv then mm-hmm. you know we have to take it to court only for the you know only mm-hmm. for it to kind of go south and then the police officers aren't charged and that it's it's emotionally taxing Mm -hmm. um and so it's been difficult it's been very tiresome and difficult um having to kind of you know police yourself kind of you know what i mean and and gain control over your emotions and then sometimes just not doing it Mm -hmm. because you just don't care Mm -hmm. to do so um because it can just be hard um and then weighing that against the truth of the god you know the gospel and where's the gospel message fit into all it's a lot of it's work, right? Yeah. It's work that has to be done, and so for me, it's been it's been a challenge. But 
Um, mostly it's been tiresome. I think I've had to take time to like step back. Uh, I can't always tweet and Facebook and comment when hmm. something happens because I'm overwhelmed. Mm-hmm. So it's like my way of checking myself um, and, and kind of taking a step back so I can process for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then if I feel like sharing something, I will. But taking care of myself first. Yeah. In that fatigue, where do you see the church? Obviously, the conversation about race relations is going on massively mm-hmm. in the culture. What's your perspective on the church? And I'll even make it more specific on the church in Boston as you think about this conversation. And I know it's not just a conversation, and so I'm aware when I say that that it, yeah. mm-hmm. it can sound insensitive in a way no, I or it's just it. about words it's not there's there are actions that need to go along but as you reflect on the church in boston around this what are your thoughts um you know i'm gonna i'm gonna forget where this passage is but when the bible talks about um you know come over to macedonia and help us you know what I mean? Like, come like that's that's a thought that kind of comes mm. to mind. You know what I mean? Like, come over here and ha- like, you know what I mean? Like, w- there is something going on here. And so it, it stinks because you have to like act like asking for help. Like, why aren't you seeing? You know what I mean? Like, why yeah. aren't you seeing what's going on here? So to define have to here. Ask, oh, like to the marginalized, to the person who's struggling, to the person, um, to black folk who are in need. So to have to kind of wave your flag and say, we mm. could use some help over here sucks. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, it's like, but come over here and help. You know what I mean? So it's like this dual sort of thing going on. Um, hmm. And I'm also reminded of, you know, Jeremiah 29, when it talks about um, people also, you know, seeking the peace of the city. Yeah. Why are my city and your city two different things? You know what I mean? Like I have that feeling. Like we're we're ta- it's a tale of two different cities, right? Mm-hmm. People mm-hmm. love talk about seeking the peace of the city, you know, if if you if you seek the peace, you'll be prosperous, you'll be blessed and that's great, but like what city are you seeking peace in? And when mm-hmm. are you going to do it? And how come there's no peace if you're supposed to be doing it? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. the suburbs isn't the suburbs for a reason. The city is the city for a reason. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. There are these demographics that are God ordained for a reason. And so to seek the peace, if you're not seeking the peace of the city and you're in a suburb, then what do you, you know what I mean? Like, what are you looking for to be prosperous out your way? If you're not putting in, in peace into your local city is there for a reason. You know what I mean? And God talks about blessing the people and blessing people who are doing that in the middle of a really, really difficult time. Yeah. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Exile is not cute. You know what I'm <laughs> no. saying? Like, yeah. so, so to, to really become faithful to the scriptures, I think is the call of the church. Like we don't need any more scriptures. We're not looking for some deep prophetic word. We're not looking, do what the scriptures say to do. Like do that verse. You know what I mean? Matter of fact, do the chapter, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> and then watch God bless, but you have to address, you know, seeking the peace of the city you have to know where the city is and not be deterred just because you don't like what's in the city Hmm. you know what i mean like if we're going to keep it honest you got to keep it honest some people who are believers don't want to seek the peace of the city because they don't like what's in the city Hmm. and that's cool you know what i'm saying but what we have to do is first be honest about those shortcomings and that sin nature that puts that out there Hmm. and those racist those racist parts of us that exist right Hmm. and so i feel like if we were able to do that 
and bring confession before the Lord and really have those ugly conversations and hard conversations about, hey, I think I might have a little problem here. <laughs> I think work could be done, but let's not act like the city does not exist. You know what I mean? You could mm-hmm. be in the suburbs or you could have up the four walls of the church and hide in your local church all you want to. But if the scriptures say to seek the peace of the city and that God is going to bless it because of that, you know what I mean? He's called us to be prosperous in the middle of, you know what I mean? A very, very difficult mm-hmm. times, just like he did for Jeremiah's day. Then what did you, 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 you have to do the work. You mm-hmm. have to do the work mm-hmm. or else you're not being true to what the word of God is saying. Mm-hmm. And then you can kind of unpack that yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? After all that. So that's my thought for the for mm-hmm. the church. You got to seek the If you're going to do it, you got to do what the word says, mm-hmm. as it says to do it, you know? Mm-hmm. So you're asking us to do work at the level of the heart, which requires not a posture of defensiveness, but a, a posture of humility. What would you describe that posture as? What does that posture say? A posture of humility would say, like, search me, O oh God. You know what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Like, yeah, see if there heart. be any. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, yeah. And that's the whole thing. If there be any. So what would there be any? Look at me and tell me if I'm doing something mm, wrong. That's good. That's what the posture of humility would do. Right. You know what I mean? So you already know if you're telling yourself, oh, well, I wasn't there. No one asked you if you were there or not. We're talking yeah. about in the here and now. Right. What is, you know what I'm saying? Did you have something, yeah. a, a grievance against somebody or an issue? Um, and that's what, you know, that's what the word tells us to do. You ask yeah. God to search you. I didn't say it was something. I said, tell him to search you. Ask, yeah, you know, ask right. him. And then yeah. he'll let you know. And then he'll show you. And then when you become uncomfortable in these conversations, what's that about? Because if it was your, you know, yeah. your best friend who you were raised with and da da da, and you saw them and somebody was neck was on them, you would go through the streets and you know what i mean yeah we wouldn't be we'd be telling you to calm down and you would say i'm not gonna calm down (laughs) like that's the anger and the passion that the believer regardless of color needs to have for any time a fellow you know what i'm saying like for the or even a fellow human being for for humanity right Yeah, made in the image of god right made in the imago day that's the whole point Mm -hmm. so if we're cheering on or taking the back if we're taking the back seat to something what does that say we're not coming into agreement with the creator because we're saying eh, well you know i was just kind of dismissive i didn't really you know i didn't say anything bad but you didn't scream out from the rooftops that it was wrong mm. so there's a you know there's there's a problem there you know what mm. i mean so and it's a very different attitude of the heart to say search me oh god than it is to say there's nothing I need to repent of. You can just hear the cocky. Yeah. You know what I mean? There's yeah, a, there's no, a, there's there's a, a there's a really different. Yeah. There's yeah. a really different posture there that I think is important. So I so deeply long for the church in Boston to be a signpost. Yes. To the to the city of what it looks like to be a part of the family of God. Right. What it looks like to be truly human again. You know, fully reconciled across ethnic lines and socioeconomic lines and everything mm-hmm. else. But we got our work cut out for us. Big time. Big time. <laughs> big time. Big time. But we're doing the work. I think there's so many people who are committed. Yeah, there are. And that's encouraging. So it feels good. You know, we're yeah. not like in it alone by any yeah. means. No, that is good. And it's so good to be so encouraged. There's so much hope here. That there's encourages so me to hear you say that, actually, as somebody who's tired. Oh, yeah. No, no, no. I, I'm tired. Like, I'm going to go take a nap or whatever. But I know there's like yeah. hope. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Yeah. Um, there's no, still a reason good. to get, you know, when I, once I get the that's that fervor back, I know that I'm coming onto a battlefield that's like. Yeah. Not just me on it. You know what I mean? There's right. other soldiers out there too. So. Yeah. Yeah. Tired, but not without hope. Definitely. Indeed. 
Uh, this has been great to have this conversation. Thank yeah, you so much good. for being honest. Thanks. I've got two final questions for you. One is, where has God been speaking to you in Scripture lately? I think lately he's been speaking to me in the Psalms and and teaching me how to pray the Scriptures like back to him. Hmm. You know what I mean? I'm mm-hmm. not like eloquent by any means, like of my own. Fr- you know what I mean? Like I got to be like touched by the spirit. Like I got to be, <laughs> you know? And so um, I think I've been learning the power of just putting my own words aside to like speak back to God what he's already said about himself. Mm-hmm. Um, because it's like a win-win. Like I'm mm-hmm. like, hey, man, I didn't say this. You said it. So you do what you said you're going to do because you said it. Like, yeah. it's not me. Like, it's you. Talk, you know what I mean? And so for me, that's been really powerful lately is praying the Psalms and, and repeating back to God who he says that he is mm. um, about himself. Like, as like a win for myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's where I've been lately. My last question is, you've said a lot, but you can use this as a summing up or as an adding to but if there's one thing that you could say to the church in the city of Boston, um, what, what do you want to say? If there's one thing I could say to the to the church in the city of Boston, um, is don't be afraid to do the work. Don't be afraid to get our hands dirty. Don't be afraid to have these hard conversations. Um, you're not going to die over it, right? <laughs> um, but you will die if you don't have them, right? Like a, a spiritual death of sorts. And so, yeah, I would say be encouraged. Um, there's so many good things that are happening here in the city, um, but we cannot be afraid to do the work and to talk to one another and to reach across the aisle till there is no more aisle, right? Like mm. there's there's no need for all of that. And so mm-hmm. I would say, yeah, be encouraged. God is, God is still moving in the city um, and doing a new thing as he always is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have work to do, though. So yeah, let's let's do the work. <laughs> we have work to do, but let's do the work. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Arva, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. What a rich and challenging conversation with Arva. She has such a great voice and challenged me, and I hope all of you as well. If you'd like to follow up, go to parkstreetdialogues.org, and there will be links to everything we discussed during the conversation on the episode page. In the next episode, I have a conversation with Roberto Miranda. Roberto is the pastor of Congregation Lion of Judah, which is a church that he was instrumental in, in founding and planting long ago and has had just an incredible impact in our city as they bear witness to the gospel in word and deed. Here's a preview of that conversation. I, I believe that we need to affirm each other um, in terms of our differences. You know, there, there's, such, there's such richness in the, in the body of Christ. There are believers who are very conservative in their outlook and in their methodology, uh, in the way of seeing the, the word and produce powerful, influential churches that bless the kingdom. There are others who are more fiery, more enthusiastic in the way of looking at the kingdom, and they also have impact. They reach a different kind of crowd that would not be reached by the other one. And I think we need to develop this uh, appreciation for the richness of the kingdom of God. I look forward to bringing that full conversation with Roberto to you in the next episode. In this final segment, I want to share a brief thought about being present and crossing barriers. This came up in the conversation with Arva, so I wanted to circle back to it. At the heart of our gospel, we have God being present to us 
and crossing barriers to do so. The incarnation, Jesus, the word, became flesh and dwelt among us. He came to be present, and he crossed giant barriers to be present, the barrier of divinity and humanity, the barrier of heaven and earth. Jesus crosses those and enters in and is present. And then throughout his ministry, he is present with people by crossing barriers. You think of the Samaritan woman at the well, for example. Jesus crosses that barrier between Jews and Samaritans, between men and women, to be present to this woman. So this is at the heart of our ministry, and just a challenge as we seek to bear witness to Jesus in the city of Boston and beyond, to be present and to be willing to cross barriers. And I think that's the harder part for us. We can get locked into our circles. To be willing to cross barriers, to get out of those normal circles, that we might have the opportunity to be in relationship and be present with others. That will bear witness to Jesus in a powerful way. Thanks for being part of this episode. If you'd like to learn more, go to parkstreetdialogues.org. 